Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. So Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 uh, from verse 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 3 from verse 12 through 14. And I want to pray beforehand. Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word this morning. It, it does what it's meant to do, Lord, which is to restore, to strengthen, to lift up, Father God. Your word has power. I'm just an unworthy vessel this morning, Lord, that you've chosen to, to share your gospel. I pray, Father, Lord, that it may be you that speaks, Lord, and, and not me, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to be speaking under the subject, pressing toward the goal. Pressing toward the goal. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the church says, now, in Bible Institute, we've been teaching about Paul. And those that I have, I have a couple students around here today. In Bible Institute, we've been teaching about the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. On Fridays, we also have been teaching the book of Ephesians that's with the Apostle Paul. And the Lord, as I was reading the scripture, I'm like, okay, Lord, We're going to preach on the apostle this morning. Who was the apostle Paul? Who was Paul before Christ? He was a persecutor of the church. He had Christians murdered. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the first Christian that was murdered was by the hands of the Pharisees commanded by Paul. Paul was present, standing there, and commanded the rest of the group to stone Stephen. He was a murderer. He had women and children put in jail cells. He was ravishing the church. This guy was somebody people were scared of. Before Christ, he was a man to be feared. He was the man that you didn't want to come across and have that encounter with. Before Christ, he hated the church. Before Christ, he didn't want to know nothing about about Jesus. 
before Christ, he was a man of great danger, a man to be feared. But on his way to persecuting the church, on his way to bringing more Christians to jail, on his way to murdering some more believers, something happens. Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus, and he shows up and he has this encounter with Christ who changes his life. He will no longer be the poor who persecuted the church. He will no longer be that man who people feared. He will now be a, a, a beacon of the gospel. Because when we have an encounter with Jesus, our lives change. When we have an encounter with Christ, we're no longer the same. This man, after his encounter with Christ, has written 13 letters of the New Testament. You know that he wrote almost the entire New Testament that we read today? The man who persecuted the church, the man who had men and women killed and murdered, he wrote 13 of the letters that we read today in the New Testament. He established ministries and, and planted churches and, 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 and built leaders and, and, and he really started to labor in the kingdom. We are different people when Jesus has that encounter with us. We're different people when Jesus has that encounter. I'm going to show you, if you can get me that, 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 that thing, uh, Carlos. Before Christ, who were you? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. Before Christ, we walked in the church like this. Before Jesus got a hold of us, we walked our daily lives like this. And you're probably wondering, well, what's in the bag? The bag represents all the things you carried before Christ. The bag represents the people that walked out on you. The bag represents the people that hurt your feelings. I don't know what the bag represents for you, but I could tell you what the bag represented for me. When I walked in the church, I walked in with a bag. I was 19 years old, broken. People was gonna, people were saying, George is gonna be a statistic. I walked in the church, a high school dropout. I walked in the church, addicted to drugs. I walked in the church addicted to pornography. I walked in the church with a bag full of trash. And I walked in that church and I had an encounter with Jesus. And he said, you no longer have to walk with that bag because when you have an encounter with me, some people have walked in here this morning with the bag. But Jesus is saying, when I get through to you, your life is going to be different from what it is now. 
some people walking around with the bag, but they have to have an encounter with Jesus because Jesus is the only one that has your past, your present, and your future in his hands. So I walked in the church with the bag, and Jesus met me, and he says, you no longer have to walk with that bag. I know what people have said about you. I know what your family has said about you. I know what, the, I know what your role looks like, but I have the power to change that in your life. But you have to trust in me. And I came up to the altar, and I said, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Before Christ, we carried the bag. But now that we have Christ, he's saying, it's no longer about the bag. Now it's about the inheritance. Oh, my goodness. It's no longer about what you carried in the past. It's no longer because when you come to me, I change all that. When you come to me, I can stand here right now and tell you I came to Jesus as a high school dropout. And I can tell you I graduated with my master's degree this year. It's no longer about the bag. It's about what's eternal. Jesus says, I have put you in a path. We all in the path right now. If you have Jesus as your Savior, you walk in this path. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, today's the day where you could drop your bag here. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, today's the day that he has ordained for your life. But I want to tell you that in order to have this, you have to drop the bag. And in order to pursue the... You know what this is? The Bible talks about the crown of eternity, the crown of righteousness. What, give, what leads us to have this crown is God's word. God's word leads us to, to this path of eternity. You know one thing, one thing that's guaranteed, that we will have an expiration date, that, that our date, is tomorrow's not guaranteed for your life. You know, I went to, with Pastor Ruth to Rikers Island and, 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 her, and some of those first sermons and, and some of those first outings that the church had to Rikers Island and we were there ministering and one inmate stood up. He said, hey, I, I got a problem with this. He says, I'm here in jail. This is what my past, this is where I'm at. How can you guarantee me this eternal future, this, this eternal God? I said, look, I only could preach to you what God has done in my life. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what is guaranteed. Death is guaranteed. There was a man preaching in Europe, and the cops came to lock him up because he was preaching the gospel. And the cops came and said, lock this guy up. He says, you don't understand. The people have to hear the gospel. And they said, put, put the cuffs on him. They put the cuffs on him. And as, as they were taking him away, the cop says, nobody want to listen. Nobody want to listen to the gospel. And he says, I'll tell you what. They will listen. They'll listen when they're dead. Before Christ, we carried a bag. But after Christ, 
You're redeemed. You're his child. You're bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You're his property. Can you reflect this morning on your bag? And can you reflect this morning on what God has done? This morning, I got four points for you from these scriptures. Dissatisfaction, dissatisfied is the first point. Four words. Devotion is the second word. Direction is the third word. And determination is the fourth word I pulled out of these passages this morning. Let's see how we find them. Verse 12 says, not that I have already attained, but he wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. Not that I have already attained, but he planted churches. Not that I have already attained, but he built leaders. And this man with such a powerful resume of his spiritual accomplishments, the Apostle Paul, if the Apostle Paul was to walk in those doors today, what would he say about our church? This man with such a high education and such spiritual accomplishments, he says, I have not already attained. You know what he's saying? I'm dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied. This is the statement of a great Christian who permitted himself never to be satisfied. The minute you are satisfied is the minute you're losing focus on what's eternal. The minute you're satisfied is the minute you're starting to lose focus. How is your spiritual condition this morning? Because the Apostle Paul, with such a great resume, he's saying, not that I have already attained it. You know what he's doing? He's doing what's called a self-evaluation. When you do a self-evaluation of your spiritual condition, it's you and Jesus. You know, because... Many do, many do evaluations, but is your, does your evaluation have Jesus in it? Or are you evaluating yourself to the standards of this world? Many Christians are satisfied because they compare their running with other believers. But Paul is not comparing himself with someone else. He's saying, we're all in the same race. You and I, we're all in the same race here. So he's saying, I'm not going to compare myself to the people. I'm going to compare myself with myself. Have you ever been there? Have you ever looked in, your, in the mirror and say, you're the only one that can stop God from moving in your life? Have you ever had a self-evaluation where you start to analyze your walk with Christ, and you start to ask yourself hard questions like, am I pleasing the Lord the way I should be?
you got to invite Jesus into your evaluation. Two things happen when you evaluate yourself. You either get better and improve or stay the same and get worse. When we drop the bag, we say, Jesus, here I am. How can I do this? He says, just keep walking. Just keep walking. In your evaluation of being dissatisfied, you have to long for the presence of the Lord. You have to long for what he, he wants to give you and long for the desires to have an intimate relationship with him. You can't evaluate your partner. You can't evaluate your children. Your children will have to evaluate their own walk. Your partner will have to evaluate their own walk. This is an individual evaluation. That's why the psalmist uh, David said in Psalms 42, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the God, the living God. It's a self-evaluation of a man that had attained, had great accomplishments, but was dissatisfied spiritually. You know, you could be happy with the salvation of Jesus and the joy of your salvation, and still be dissatisfied of where you find yourself in the kingdom. Do I got a witness for that? You can have walk around with Jesus in your heart and be dissatisfied of where your walk is personally, of where your relationship is personally with God, because God wants to give you more. And God wants to show you more. But you got to be unsatisfied. You got you to gotta, you gotta long to have more. And the apostle who had all these great accomplishments, he's saying, not that I have attained it. I'm still dissatisfied. You see, some people get satisfied when God opens one door. But I got news for you. God will open one door. He'll open two doors. He'll open three doors. And you got to still be dissatisfied because the God we serve has more and more and more. Satisfied with Jesus, but dissatisfied with your spiritual condition. Don't be, don't be content. Don't be content with where you are. Because God is going to do more in your life. God is going to do more. I'm a witness of more. I'm a witness of doors opening when people say there ain't no more doors for you. I'm a witness of his mercy and grace opening doors where people say there ain't no doors that exist for you. Oh, man. But that's why we got to stay dissatisfied. Don't measure yourself. Don't measure yourself by your spiritual accomplishments. Measure yourself by what you haven't accomplished spiritually. Wait a minute. Some people say, well, I pray every morning. So you measure yourself because you pray every morning. How about you measure yourself by what you haven't done? Maybe you need to pray two times a day. Maybe you need to seek his presence more. Don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished spiritually. Measure yourself by what you spiritually haven't accomplished. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you seeking. It keeps you praying. Don't be satisfied. Don't be content. Don't measure yourself by the accomplishments. Measure yourself by what you haven't, by what you haven't accomplished.
And the church says, don't be satisfied. Be dissatisfied. The second point I want to show you this morning is the devotion. It starts with dissatisfaction. The the spiritual hunger starts with someone who's dissatisfied. And then it leads you towards devotion. Look at this here. Brethren, verse 13. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Point number two, devotion. One thing I do. Does that phrase sound familiar to you? One thing I do. I'm going to bring clarity. Jesus told the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 21, one thing you lack, Jesus said, to the self-righteous young ruler. He says, one thing you lack. One thing is needed. He explained to Martha when his sister, when she was criticizing her sister, And she was at the feet of Jesus. And she says, look, you know, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these things. And and my sister is here at your feet. He says, one thing is needed. Oh, my goodness. He told the young rich ruler, one thing you lack. He told Mary, one thing is needed. One thing I know, exclaimed the man who had received His sight by the power of Jesus Christ. One thing I have, the desire to to love and seek the Lord, said the psalmist. Are you with me? One thing. One thing the rich ruler lacked and one thing is needed. And sometimes... We don't focus on the one thing because we're doing too many things because we want to do so many things that the one thing, it's in the back burner. When Jesus said, one thing is important, one thing is needed, and the one thing that's important and needed, it's the one thing that we're not attending to. But Jesus is coming to tell you it's only one thing that's important. And it's that you devote your life to Christ. It's that you have a heart that's postured to the feet of Jesus. One thing is important, that you're focused on not the now, but on the present and the future. One thing, we lose focus of the one thing. You know, as a pastor, I can lose focus of the one thing too. I'm not, I don't have a Superman cape. I'll tell you how easy it is to lose focus of the one thing. A pastor comes in and does his daily duties. Checks his emails, answers his phone, does hospital visits, Praise for people, people walk in. By the time you know it, the day is over 
and I did not attend to the one thing. Oh, my goodness. Can I preach it the way I feel it? Because the one thing, it's what's required of us to keep us running this race steady and focused towards eternity. Oh, man. It's the one thing that Jesus said, hey, if you sit at my feet, if you sit at my feet, I have what you need. You just need to focus on the one thing. Hallelujah. The one thing cannot be bought. The one thing cannot be manipulated. You can't manipulate your way into heaven. The one thing is available, though, to us today. And it's available through the Son, Jesus Christ. The believer must devote himself to running the Christian race. You know, you know what made Michael Jordan successful? I'm a big Chicago Bulls fan. And a Dallas Cowboys fan, too, for the New York Giant guys out there. You know what? That's not nothing to be proud of. Those guys. You know what made Michael Jordan successful? He specialized in the one thing. When he, there was a season when he stepped out and tried to play baseball. Those that know sports, he didn't do too good. And he went back to the one thing that he was good at. You know what keeps us running? When we're focused on the one thing that's eternity. When we're focused on the one thing that only Jesus can do for our lives. When we're walking focused on what's valuable, on what's important. It's the one thing that Jesus has available for us. I cannot give you anything else. I don't have super potion to pray over you. I have no, I'm not, I can't work miracles. I'm not a prophet. But I can tell you this, that one thing is necessary to get to the kingdom of heaven. One thing is necessary. When Nehemiah was building the walls, they said, hey, Nehemiah, they, they came down to see you. Nehemiah said, I can't come down right now because I'm building these walls. And this is the one thing that's important right now, that I build the walls of Jerusalem. And, they would, and people would say, hey, Nehemiah, can you just take a break? Listen, Nehemiah, the walls are not that important the way you think they are. The walls are, they're they okay. This is what's important, Nehemiah said. Because this is what God has called me to do. And because this is what God has called me to do, I'm going to build these walls and they are going to have to wait. One thing is important and you need to focus this morning on the one thing. If you want to see God's blessing over your home, focus on the one thing, which is eternity. Which is the son Jesus Christ that died and resurrected. That's the one thing. I can't come down because I'm building these walls. This satisfaction leads towards devotion. Not being content of where you are spiritually will lead you to seek Jesus more intimately. Am I the only one that sits here not being, dis, uh, being dissatisfied at times? Because, because what? So I made it to full-time ministry. I'm, I'm supposed to be satisfied? Because I knew that God would call me there. I'm supposed to be good? I'm dissatisfied. 
I want more of Jesus. I want Jesus in my house. I want Jesus with my children. I want Jesus in everything that has to do with me. The minute you become satisfied is the minute you stop giving devotion is the minute you become stagnant and you sit in those pews when Jesus is telling you, I need you to run. Run the race. The third point I picked out of that scripture is the second part of verse 13. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Dissatisfaction, devotion gives you direction. Gives you direction. You know, you ever heard people say, you know, I can't forget what they did. I can't forget what they did to me. The scripture is saying, forgetting those things which are behind. I can't forget when I was hurt. I can't forget when I was mistreated. I can't forget the pain I've been through. The Apostle Paul is not, he's not asking you to forget. The scripture says forget. But I'm going to give you clarity of what he's talking about. The only way you can forget when someone walks out of you or, or hurts you or betrays you or betrays your trust or hurts your family or hurts your children, the only thing, the only way you're ever going to forget things like that, the trauma of life, the, the disappointments, the only way you forget those things, I tell you, you, you if you lose your mind. If you go, if all of a sudden, uh, you know, you just have a... a, a, a a, a symptom, and, and it develops mind loss, God forget. That's the only way you forget. But Paul is saying here that we should forget. The Bible here doesn't say just forget what people have done. It means that you no longer are influenced or affected by what they have done. Oh, my goodness. Help me, Jesus. I'm not going to forget the trauma that I carried in my bag because it was too painful. It has left emotional scars. But what Jesus and the apostles telling us is saying, hey, I need you to just forget in the sense of don't let that affect you anymore because the only one that can help you get through this process is Jesus. Until then, we continue to carry the bag with all this emotional hurt. But the good news is here this morning. The good news of the gospel is here for us. Don't be influenced and affected by what happened. The only way that can happen is if you let Jesus take the wheel. If you let him take the wheel... The past will no longer keep you tied and bound to the, to the trauma that, that life has given you. You know, this morning, my friend was micing me up. And I said, hey, man, I need a little hand clipping, clipping the, the, the receiver to the hip. And he looked at me. I said, no, I had surgery in my, in my hand 20, 21 years ago. 
And he said, really? Now, me and him, we've been doing ministry for a long time. And he says, bro, I learned something new about you today. What he didn't know is that the scar that I have in my right hand, as you see, you see my hand is not the same. When I was 19, I had an argument with someone that was real dear to me. And uh, I came downstairs, and I was so angry. You know, you get angry. You know, any men have ever gotten angry here? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. But I was so angry and emotionally scarred that I came outside and I put my hand through a grocery store window, a storefront window, about two inches thick. And when I took my hand out, my hand was hanging. And I said, this is how my story ends. This is how my story ends. But all of a sudden, I end up in the hospital. And what the enemy meant for evil, what the enemy tried to do to me, he didn't succeed. And that's why I can stand here and tell you that his goodness and his mercy will endure forever. Now, if you stay satisfied and you don't give devotion and you become stagnant and content with this precious jewel of the gospel, then the people that are connected to you will never hear it. And they will die. And our teenagers will die. And the people close to us will die. And no one will ever give them the gospel. But Jesus is telling you today, I need you to be dissatisfied because I've called you to run the race. I've called you to share the good news. I've called you to tell someone that there's hope, that there's peace, that there's joy in the gospel. That's why when Joseph... In the book of Genesis, he saw his brothers coming, and he was like, oh, these were the guys that betrayed me. Do you know the story that his brothers sold them out, and then they come for help? Don't worry, Jesus didn't come right now. <laughs> Some people were like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was just the lights. They went down for a second. Some of the, something's wrong with the lights. I'm not sure, but Joseph told his brothers, he looked at them and he said, these are the ones that sold me out. He was in a position to be able to have vengeance of his brother. Do you know that? He was the leader of Egypt. Don't worry. We're going to preach it with the lights flickering. He was the leader of Egypt at that time, second in command. His brothers come in, and they like, he's like, you think he had temptation? He went through it for a quick second, and then he remembered. I've been called to run this race. Then he remembered, what God has called me is more important than having vengeance over my brothers. What God has called me to do is more important than remembering the scars of the past. What God has called me to do is more important than the bag. And he says, you know what? Guys, I forgive you guys. Whatever you need is yours. 
He didn't take vengeance. He did, you know what he did? He said, the past will no longer control my future. I, when he saw them, I'm sure he thought about it. I'm sure he thought about it. In our humanity, we think about it. But guess what? He says, what God has called me to do is more important. And there, he, he broke through barriers of the past, moving to the, towards the future. Hallelujah. What direction are you heading in today? What direction are you heading into today? Because the Lord has a plan for your life. And your, the plan for your life is not to sit stagnant. It's to move with the kingdom. The plan of God is to continue to walk. People will give you, they will betray you, they will leave your side, but you got to keep walking. You got to keep moving. You got to keep worshiping. Dissatisfaction leads to devotion. It brings direction. And we're going to bring it home. Gives you determination. Determination. You could open up your Google app and tell me what's the definition of determination. Determination, it's found right here in the scriptures. Verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. There's nothing that's going to make you move. There's nothing that's going to shake you. You got to press forward. God has called you to press forward through ups, through downs. You know, press forward. I press is translated into I follow after. I follow after. A man does not become a champion or an athlete does not become a champion by sitting on the couch, reading books, watching Netflix. An athlete does not become a champion in that manner. In order to become a qualified champion, you got to get in the race. And getting in the race means dropping the past and straining and pressing towards what's ahead. This is where we're at right now. We're all pressing. I'm pressing. You're pressing. We're all pressing towards what's ahead. No one is above no one. No titles are above anyone. No pastors above anyone. We are all in the same journey. We're all pressing. We're all pressing for what's ahead. But what qualifies champions are those that said, I'm determined to win. Michael Jordan specialized in the one good thing. And every time he grabbed the basketball, he became an NBA champion. Why do you think centuries and decades later, they're still talking about Michael Jordan? Because his determination to win, his determination to be the best, his dissatisfaction to wanting to improve and to get closer to the title should be our dissatisfaction to wanting to improve and get closer to Jesus. Get closer to the one who's called us. Get closer to the one who has our lives in his hands. You got to be determined to seek the Lord. You got to be determined to, to, to run this race. 
God works in us so that he might work through us. Someone needs to hear the gospel that's connected to you. Hallelujah. He has qualified you this morning. He has qualified you this morning. Don't let people unqualify you. Don't let people tell you you can't do it. Don't let people tell you it's not possible because what God qualifies, God equips, and God blesses. He has qualified you. First Timothy, this is what Jesus, uh, Paul tells his buddy Timothy. For bodily, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promised of the life that now is and that of which is to come. Oh, man. I don't know this morning why you're running, but you should run to persevere. You should run for your children. You should run for your family members. Run. Say, we're running, baby. We're running. We're running. And I'm determined to run. Hallelujah. First Corinthians says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize, it's temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, us here, the church, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore run, run in such manner. Oh man, I'm going to look at what the verse says, 26 and 27 of 1 Corinthians 9. It says, so I run with purpose. In every step, I'm not just shadow boxing. You know what's a, sh you ever shadow boxing? They hit the air. There's no one there. I run with purpose. What's our purpose? Our purpose is the inheritance that God the Father has created for his church. And that inheritance is, it's, it's available through the Son, Jesus, you cannot have this inheritance if you don't have the Son. Run the race. And this is what he tells Timothy. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I, might, I myself might be disqualified. There's no exceptions of people here. There's no difference from, from the pulpit and the pews. The pulpit and the pews are leveled in this walk. The pulpit and the pews are leveled in this walk. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. You're not better than the person next to you. We're all running this race. But you got to have determination. Determination to run. Run, run, run this morning. Church, as we get ready to close... Hebrews chapter 10, 39 says this. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere. 
and preserve their souls. This morning, don't let no one tell you you can't do it. What God qualifies, let no man qual- let no man unqualify. What God has ordained, let no man get in the way. There's a purpose for your life. Run the race. There's a purpose for your children. Run the race. There's a purpose for you. Keep on running, no matter how hard it gets. Never come back to the back. Thank Never you for taking back. the time to listen walking. to this message. We pray that it Let blesses the enemy and encourages rise your up with all hell. You keep walking. Some of us might have to drag ourselves. Some of us might have to weep and endure, but keep weeping. Keep walking. Keep journeying. Because in due time, those that have not wavered, those that have not looked back, will inherit the eternal kingdom of Jesus. We can stand up, church. Hallelujah. I don't know who told you you wasn't able. I don't know who told you you were not capable. I don't know who, who, who unqualified you. But the Lord says, I got a plan for your life. I got a plan for your life. I qualify you. I'm in control of your life. As we, get, as we allowed our musicians and our, our worship ministry to come up, I want to tell you, the better you is in front of you. The better version of you, pastor, the better person of you, church member, the better version of you, leader, it's not behind you, it's ahead of you. The better version is just steps away. It's ahead. Keep looking ahead. This morning, if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, tomorrow's not promised for your life. But this is the very day that God has made for you. Jesus has a plan for you. And if you just need prayer to apply this word, the altar is open as our worship ministry gets ready to worship.